Heavenly Father, we recognise that we tremble and are afraid of many things in this world, including other men, other people again, who may be against us. We tremble at them. But Lord, we ask that you would send your spirit to us now and that we would tremble before you and your word. And therefore, listen to what you have to say and put it into practice. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we continue our series this morning in the book of John, and we've been looking at this over a number of weeks and even uh, a number of years, really, if we go back to when I first uh, started looking at these final words of Jesus on the night he was betrayed. This is what the Lord Jesus is doing. He's having this last supper with the disciples, and he's instructing them uh, about how they should live. Uh, He tells them to love one another, and he also gives them instructions about what is to come. And he's been speaking of the fact that he is going... uh, Uh, and the disciples are distressed by this, but he said that he would send them someone. And that's what we looked at last time together, that he would send them the counsellor. Back in verse 7 of chapter 16 of John's Gospel, I encourage you to have a Bible open before you so you can follow along. Uh, This counsellor will come when the Lord Jesus goes. And the Lord Jesus even has more to say to them. It may seem like he's got quite a lot. He's been going on for a number of chapters, speaking to them, uh, giving them advice and counsel, but he has even more to say to them. But he will not say it to them at this present time. We see that in verse 12. He says, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. The disciples uh, cannot bear to have more given to them by the Lord Jesus. But the Lord Jesus, of course, has extra information for them. So how will he deliver this information to them? How will he give them, uh, give them this speech that he has for them that they cannot bear at this present time? Well, it's by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will come and speak to them. And we see that in verse 13. Verse 13, But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. The Holy Spirit will come and guide the apostles into all truth. All truth. What is the all truth that they are going to be guided in? Well, there's a a hint given to us as to what this truth will be about, and that's in verse 13. It says, He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. So, of course, he will guide them in all truth, and if we think of who the truth is, that is the Lord Jesus. Jesus says in John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So he will guide them in all that is to be known about the Lord Jesus, but he's also going to advise them about the things that is to come that the Holy Spirit will come and teach them about things that are yet to come. What are these things? Well, there's many things that we could focus on this morning that the Holy Spirit would teach the disciples about. I'll just give you a few. Uh, Firstly, one of the things that was to come that hadn't happened yet is, of course, the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ and all that uh, that changes because of the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus. The whole sacrificial system, the Jewish sacrificial system, was to come to an end as it reached its fulfilment in the Lord Jesus Christ. If Christ is a sacrifice for sin, the the complete and sufficient sacrifice for sin, then there's no need for further sacrifice at the temple. And so all the ceremonial law that governs things like the sacrifices at the temple are changed. This is going to be very difficult for the disciples to navigate these changes that are coming to their law, laws that have been followed for centuries. And so what do they need? They need a guide. They need someone to come and counsel them to make these changes as they look at their lives and how do we live if Christ is the sufficient sacrifice for sin? 
What else was to come that the disciples would need guidance for? Well, it was one of the big things for the Jews to try and grasp was the inclusion of the Gentiles amongst the people of God. If you look at the New Testament, you look at one of the things that they wrestle with, of course, is the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. They also wrestle with the fact that the Gentiles are welcome into the people of God. Yes, of course, in the Old Testament they were welcome, but they are included in a way that hasn't been seen before in all of Israelite history. It was a real struggle for the Jews. And we see this even with Peter. He's still struggling. In the book of Galatians, Paul is trying to help Peter to understand what it means that the Gentiles are included, even though he had had that revelation from God in Acts, with the net being let down with all the animals in it and being taught about unclean and clean. It was a real struggle for them. They needed a guide with this thing that is to come, which was the inclusion of the Gentiles. What else would the apostles need a guide for that was coming? Well, it's a guide to understand the functions of the local church. The local church with all its functions, the worship practices of reading the Bible, reading scripture, prayer, preaching, singing, ordinances of baptism and the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper is a new institution for the disciples and they would need to navigate that. They would need to navigate church governance. How do we run the church? Who's in charge? Elders, deacons and members. It was all to come, and they would need a guide to help them with these things. And so if the Lord Jesus was to start talking about all these things with them on this evening as he's about to be betrayed and handed over to the Gentiles, it would be beyond them to bear these things, to not be able to understand after Christ has died what their ramifications are for them with these matters. But what else would the apostles experience that they would need a guidance for? The suffering that would come because of the truth. Remember, the Spirit is going to guide them in all truth. And if we understand what truth is, we should really understand who truth is and who Jesus is as the truth. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And because of the truth, because of Jesus, great suffering was to come. And if you read the New Testament, the Apostle Paul is always warning people about the suffering that is to come. And that it has been granted to you to believe, he says, but also to suffer. As Christians, it has been granted to us to suffer for the name of Christ. The apostles would need a guide for this matter of suffering that was to come upon them. They were hoping that a Messiah would come and bring great peace and prosperity. They're going to need a guide to teach them that they're going to suffer for the name of Christ. And most of them would be martyrs for the name of Christ. And of course, what else is to come that they would need navigation about was the final judgment. If we think of what is to come, we always think of the final judgment and who will be the judge on that last day. They need a guide to tell them that it will be the truth himself who will condemn people to hell and will exalt people to heaven. They need a guide for these matters. The apostles, well, it was like they were entering onto a new country a new country, there's this big transition that takes place between the Old Testament and the New Testament. A new country, and they need a guide, or they won't be able to bear all the changes that are coming as a result of the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, particularly at the cross. And I've just given you a hint of a few of the things, the ramifications that come from that great event of Jesus' death at the cross. But how will the Spirit guide the apostles? How will he guide them? Well, we read that he will guide them with words from Christ and the Father. We read in verse 13, he says, But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. 
All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. The Spirit is not speaking on his own. He is speaking of the things that the Lord Jesus still had to say to them. He takes from the Lord Jesus and gives to us the words. He gives them to the apostles. And he takes them from the Father as well. There's a Trinitarian teaching happening here. That when you hear words from the Holy Spirit, you're hearing the words of the Father, you're hearing the words of the Son, that they're all unified together. And so he was to speak to the apostles and through the apostles then speak to the people and guide them with all the changes that were to come. In, to come. Now, why would this guide do this? Why would he come and help them? Well, we are told that it's for the glory of Christ Jesus. In verse 14, why does the Holy Spirit come? Verse 14, he will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. As the new country is explored that the apostles are entering into, the guide wants them to adore, to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ. He teaches them so that they will love Jesus Christ all the more. As ceremonial laws are swept away, as the sacrificial system is swept away, they adore Jesus Christ as the fulfillment of the sacrificial system, as the perfect Lamb of God who takes away sin. And of course, as they exalt the Lord Jesus Christ, what does the Holy Spirit do? He gives them joy. As they look at this new country and they say, isn't this grand? There's a joy in their hearts as they glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. So the apostles were guided in all truth and with the words of Jesus and the Father brought to them by this guide, the Holy Spirit. But what about us? We're 2,000 years on. They were guided by the Holy Spirit. What about us? Do we need guidance from the Holy Spirit? The answer is yes. Every new believer is entering into a new land, a new country, When they are converted, they are born again into a new land and they need guidance. We all need the Holy Spirit to do what God promised in Isaiah, that passage that we had read for us before from Isaiah 42, where God says, I will lead the blind by ways they have not known. Along unfamiliar paths, I will guide them. I will turn the darkness into light before them and make the rough places smooth. These are the things I will do. I will not forsake them. We are all blind, but then we have the Holy Spirit come to us and he guides us along unfamiliar paths and he turns the darkness into light so that we can see this marvellous country that we are in. And we see this with every Christian, every person who becomes a Christian. They need to understand the same things that the apostles needed to understand. And I just gave you a smattering of them this morning, but they need to understand what it is that Jesus Christ died as the perfect sacrifice that there's no other laws that they need to keep in order to make up for their sin. That if they trust in Jesus Christ alone, they are saved. That there's nothing more to add. They also, or every Christian needs to understand that all people are welcome to come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Racism is something that is deep within the human flesh. We love to exclude others. All Christians need a guide. They need the Holy Spirit to help them understand that all races are welcome in Christ's church. Every Christian needs to understand the local church, the importance of it, and how it should function. They need a guide to help them to worship God. 
and what we should do on a Sunday morning. We need the guidance from the scriptures. I was recently talking to a pastor who's fairly recently started at a church, and he's finding it really hard with the other leaders because he says they're so, they're so governed by pragmatism. They will do whatever works well. They're not interested in what the Bible has to say we should do at this church. They're interested in what works, what brings people in. We need a guide. Every Christian needs a guide. Otherwise, we descend into pragmatism. Every believer needs a guide to know how the church is to function. I regularly have disagreements with new believers about some of these matters that I spoke about before with the local church, about baptism and membership. I'll talk to them about the need for baptism. I'll say, oh, no, I don't think so. I'll try to show them from the scriptures. Sometimes that's sufficient. Sometimes it takes a bit longer for them to look at it and say, yes, I see baptism is there, and I think I really should be baptised if I am a believer. It comes from guidance from the scripture. Otherwise, people would never get baptised. A lot of people wouldn't bother, particularly the way we do baptism, which I think is a biblical way. We're full immersion. It's a bit embarrassing. Go up the front, get immersed, put all your clothes on in front of all these people, get all wet. A lot of people would say, ah, I don't need to do it. But if you've got a guide who says you should then you do. And every Christian needs guidance about the suffering that is to come as a Christian, that has been granted to us to suffer. If we don't have a guide, what will we do as soon as suffering comes? We'll run from it. We need a guide. And of course, every Christian needs guidance about the last judgment and what will happen. We want to know what will happen at the end. There's something deep within the human heart to know, where did I come from and where am I going? And we need a guide to know where we are going. And we delight in his guidance, particularly that book of Revelation that speaks so powerfully as to what is happening at the end. And particularly what happens at the very end. I love the last chapters of Revelation where the, Lord, the Holy Spirit guides us as to what will happen when the new heavens and the new earth are opened up for his people. So we need the Holy Spirit to guide us today as well. How does he do it? Well, he spoke directly through the apostles and their words are recorded for us in this book. We have a guide book written by the Holy Spirit himself. It's a wonderful truth that is taught to us in Scripture. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, that very familiar verse to many of us, all Scripture is God-breathed. God-breathed, a literal translation of that word. It's a, it's a word that the Apostle Paul has constructed. It's God-spirited. God-breathed, God-spirited. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. This book is sufficient because it's from a sufficient God, a sufficient Holy Spirit, and it's recorded, who has recorded the words of the apostles for us and, of course, God's prophets. What's it like to become a Christian? What was it like for the apostles? I said it was like entering into a foreign country. That's what it's like to become a Christian. It's like entering into a foreign country, Christ's country, our Messiah's country. And the Spirit guides us as to how to enter into that country. He guides us by telling us how to get through customs, by repentance and faith. There's the passports you need to get through customs into Christ's country. He tells us how to do it. And then, do we ditch him at the border and say, see you later, I'm off? No, we need guidance on the other side of the border. We need to take the guidebook with us as we traverse the country that is Christ's country. 
That's what a good guide does. He guides us through the country. What does a good guide do? Well, he warns you of the dangers in the new country. He warns you of the dangers. Avoid this neighbourhood. Yes, the souvenirs look good here, but they're actually fake. And those little boys who come up to you with such cheap souvenirs, they're picking your pockets. You think it's going to be okay to buy from them, but they're really going to cause you to suffer greatly when you lose your passport and all your cash, all your foreign dollars, all your traveller's checks, they're all gone, and you thought you were getting such a good deal. That's what the Spirit does. He warns you of the dangers, warns you of the danger of sin. You think it's going to be great. I can engage in this sin and it's going to be all good. But all the time your pockets are getting robbed. And the pleasures that you are hoping for turn to pain. The guide warns you about such dangers so that you will escape such pain and so you will not dishonour the Lord Jesus Christ by engaging in something that you thought was perfectly fine, but it turns out the guide says it's sinful. What else does a good guide do? Well, he warns you about wasting time on certain activities in a country. If you visit another country, Jill and I had the great privilege of doing that uh, two years ago now, uh, going to Israel, no, last year, Israel and Jordan. Because of COVID, it throws everything out. Uh, But last year we visited Israel and we visited Jordan and we had guides in both countries. And it was great to have those guides because they warn you of what is not worth seeing. Because in a country, there are all kinds of things competing for your eyes and for your dollars, for your time. And so the good guide warns you, don't bother with that. It's not worth it. And it's the same with us in the Christian walk. The Holy Spirit warns you, don't bother going down that path. It's not going to give you much joy. It's not going to honour Christ Jesus. There are all kinds of theological controversies that people love to spend time debating. And the guide warns you, just don't bother with studying such genealogies and theological controversies. There are things that we can get into and they can become quite divisive and people, that's all they want to talk about. I even thought of raising one such example for you this morning. But then I thought, if I raise that issue... And probably a good portion of you have never thought about it before in your life. I know at least probably three people, I could probably name names, who will come up to me after the service and want to talk about that very issue and say, I actually think it's that. And for the rest of the sermon, you're not going to be thinking about anything else I say. You're going to be thinking, yeah, I think it's... uh, Yeah, I'd go that way. And you start looking up scriptures. And I'd lost you for the rest of the service. The guide warns us, don't waste time on such fruitless activities. One of our elders is very good at this church saying, oh, let it go. When we're discussing something, he just says, oh, endless genealogies, Joel. And it's a good reminder. And he's taken it from Scripture. Because that's what the Scripture says. Don't waste your time on such things. Just like a good guide does when you go to a foreign country, he says, don't bother going over there. Yes, they say it's going to be great fun, but it's a bit of a waste of time. Don't bother with it. What else does a good guy do? Well, he tells you what to enjoy. He warns you of what's a danger. He warns you what's a time waster. But he also, a good guy says, go here and do this. You will thoroughly enjoy it. Get out at this place. Let's eat at that restaurant over there. It's got good food. 
food that won't give you bellyache afterwards. I know the chef there. I know the hygiene of the kitchen. It's going to be a great place to eat. And there's a wonderful site that you can visit after you've had your meal. Toddle over there and have a good look. That's what the Spirit does for us as Christians. How does he do that? Well, one way that he does that is by telling you what is a good church. There are so many churches out there. And a lot of them, even the cults, they bear the name of Christ. They put Christ up there. But they don't respect Christ in the way that the Scripture talks about Christ. And you need a guide to then say, that is not a restaurant I want to eat at. But then he also says, this is a restaurant you want to eat at. You can come here every week for a meal and get a good meal. And you may even get a couple meals through the week. The Spirit guides us in such matters. Otherwise, you'd have no idea where to go as a church if you don't have this guide. And what else does a good guide do? Well, he also tells us what is hard to do, but worth it. When Jill and I visited uh, Jordan, we went to a place called Petra. And it doesn't have much relevance to the scriptures. Uh, There's a prophecy in Obadiah about the Edomites, which has some relevance, and it was really good to go up uh, and see Petra for that reason. But there was different things that you could see in this area. But you could also, the guide said, look, it's a two-hour hike up the mountain, and that's two hours back down. You've got time to go and do it, if you like, but it's going to take the rest of the day. And it's a hard hike. I don't advise everybody to do it. You've got to have good walking shoes on. You've got to go, be ready to go. And you've got to be ready to walk for four hours. Two hours hard going, two hours a bit easier going. Gave us a good warning, but he said, it's worth it. Up there are tremendous sights. And so Jill and I took the advice of the guide. We knew it was going to be hard, but we endured it. We walked up sharp inclines, scrabbling along, and it rained, it was muddy, there was animal manure, there's donkeys who are taking those who can pay up the mountain, but it looks uncomfortable on the donkey as well. But these donkeys flying past you, going through what the donkeys leave behind, and it was hot. It had rained, but it was hot. It was hard work climbing up that mountain. But what we saw at the top was fantastic. We saw these carvings in the rock. And then we went up to the, almost the tip of the mountain peaks that were there. And it looked like you're at the end of the world. It was incredible, the sight. Now, we wouldn't have gone up there if we hadn't had the guide to tell us. And that's what the Holy Spirit does for Christians. He tells you, this is going to cause you to suffer. But it's worth it. There's going to be so much good and joy come out of it at the end of it. Endure it. Persevere. So much of the New Testament is telling you just persevere. Endure the suffering because there's great reward coming. That's what a good guide does. And that's what the Holy Spirit does for us. Now, why does the Holy Spirit do all this? Why does he warn us? about the dangers, about the time-wasting activities in this world, about the enjoyments that we can have, about the hard experiences. Why does he tell us about them all? Well, what is a good guide wanting to do when he's there with you in that country? He wants you to exalt the country. He wants you to praise the country, particularly our guide in Jordan. He was Jordanian and he loves Jordan. He wanted us to walk out of Jordan going, that's a fantastic country and I want to recommend Jordan to everybody else. Back home, he said, go home, tell people, come to Jordan. 
It's a hospitable country, a lovely country with fantastic sights. He knew he was competing with Israel that we're headed off to as well. And of course, there's a very special place in our hearts because of the relevance to the Lord Jesus Christ. But he loved his country and he wanted us to exalt the country. And as we exalt the country, he then knows that we'll have a joy in our hearts as we exalt the country of Jordan. And it's the same with the Holy Spirit. Why does he warn us about the time-wasting activities? Why does he warn us about the dangers in this world? Why does he warn us about the sufferings that are coming? And why does he tell us about the good things in this world, in Christ's country? It's because he wants us to know Christ and exalt Christ. He wants us to say, yes, Christ is indeed a great Messiah. He is a great God. And he wants us to have the joy of knowing Jesus Christ and exalting him. He doesn't want us to live like unbelievers and so be glum about Christ and not think much of the Lord Jesus Christ because we haven't really done anything that the guide would recommend. I mean, that's what you can do. You can visit a country and you can think, I could get a guide or I could just spend my time at the hotel, eat at the buffet, watch TV. What will happen when you leave that country? You'll say, oh, yeah, it was all right. But you didn't get out and see anything. The Holy Spirit wants us to see the Lord Jesus Christ in this world and marvel at him and then experience the great joy. And so then, of course, we say to people, Jesus Christ is worth following because we have experienced great joy in following him and his guide. So do you know that you need a guide in life, in Christ's country, in all truth? Sadly, too often, we're like those tourists who think, I don't need a guide. I'm Mr. Independent. I can go into a country without any advice whatsoever, and I'll have a marvellous time. And what happens to such tourists? They get mugged. They waste time on frivolous activities. They miss the hard, good sights because they think, that's a long way up. And they may even miss the good, easy sights because they simply wouldn't humble themselves and listen to the guide. And that's what happens to Christians. What happens to Christians who don't read their Bibles? They get caught in sin. They waste time reading foolish websites which have all kinds of radical ideas which have very little to do with the scriptures, very little to do with Jesus Christ. They attend bad churches and they never do anything particularly difficult. And so they don't experience anything particularly rewarding in following Jesus Christ. And what does that mean? Well, they don't give much glory to Jesus Christ and they're pretty glum most of the time. And when it comes to talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, they'd rather move to something else because they haven't been following the guide and experiencing the joy of exalting Christ Jesus. Don't refuse Christ's guide. Be humble enough to say, I need a guide. Don't be like a child who says, I know, I know, I know, and doesn't know. Humble yourself and take the advice of Longstaff's hymn which you've got there in your bulletins this morning. 
if I have a bulletin up here. Yes, take time to be holy. We're going to sing it shortly. Look with me. Take time to be holy. Verse 3, verse 3. Here's some good advice to you. Verse 3, take time to be holy. Let him be thy guide. And run not before him, like some tourists might want to do, whatever betide, in joy or in sorrow, still follow thy Lord. And looking to Jesus, still trust in his word. Take time to be holy, be calm in thy soul, each thought and each motive beneath his control, thus led by his spirit to fountains of love. Thou soon shall be fitted for service above. Good advice there. That's the best advice I can give you. If there's one thing you take away from me as a fellow traveller in Christ's country is read this book. Read the guidebook. If you want to prosper in this world and in the next, read this book. You need guidance. Your life will be better for it. You will adore Christ more, and you will enjoy Christ more. Whatever we exalt, there's joy mixed in that exaltation, if it's true exaltation in our heart. Children and teenagers, while you are young, start reading this book. You will get far more out of life if you read this book which tells you. It's written by the person who made you. It's written by the person who sustains you. And if you're a Christian, it's written by the person who has redeemed you from sin and misery and Satan's hold. Read this book. Start reading it now and you'll get a far lot more out of the life that you live. And don't just read this book when you're stuck with a problem. See, that's with some tourists in a country. They'll only turn to the guidebook when they get into trouble. What do I do when the police arrest me? That's when I need some help. That's when I'll get some guidance. No, it's a good thing when you get into trouble to open this book up. Yes, absolutely, I'm not going to say that. As a Christian, if you've got a problem, go to the book. But also read it each day. Read it each day. Why? So that you're ready when a situation arises and you can know what to do in that situation. When a bad thing happens, you know the book's warned you about it. And you know, I know what to do. It's in there. It's in your head because you read this every day. And when a good thing comes along, you know, I'm going to snap that up because the guidebook warned me about such things and they said jump on it when you can. Just like if you're in another country and the guide says, watch out for these wandering sellers and if they've got this kind of marking and they've got this kind of cart, they're the ones you want to buy from. And so when they show up, you go, oh, I'm going to buy from him. That's what the book does. It, if you read it each day, you're ready for when the moments arise so that you can benefit from them. Now, maybe some of you have not entered into Christ's country. You don't know Christ and you don't know the joy of exalting Christ Jesus. Won't you listen to the Spirit as your guide now and cross the border by repentance and faith? Cross the border into Christ's country now. Repent of your sins and trust that Jesus Christ died for you. Won't you then explore Christ's country using this book, the Holy Spirit's book, to guide you in ever-increasing joy? And if you don't enter into Christ's country, do you realise you can't get into the next world unless you've been in Christ's country in this world? 
What does a good guide do? Well, I've listed a bunch of things this morning. But a good guide also takes you right to the border and into the next land. That's what happened in Jordan and Israel. Both of our guides, they took us right up to the border. They gave us instructions about what would happen in customs as we go through and said, go, you should be fine. Of course, we had one pastor who was being a guide for us and he went through customs with us. It was wonderful. He could guide us every step of the way. That's what the Holy Spirit does as well. He guides us into the next country. He guides us into paradise, into Christ's paradise. We're in Christ's country now. Yes, this world is his. There is not a part of this world that is not Christ Jesus. And if we are his citizens, we can enjoy it all. But he also owns the next country, paradise. And he guides us by this book right up to the river, right up to customs, so that we can cross over into the next land. I think Parsons' hymn, Sweet Beulah Land, sums it up well. Uh, we don't sing this song at our church. I'm not sure if it's because it might be a bit too tacky or because you don't know what the word Beulah means. Uh, Beulah is a Hebrew word. Uh, in Isaiah, it's translated usually married. And so the idea is, is that we're going to a married land where we are the bride and we are married, that we're not single. We have a groom. And so there's this Beulah land that is spoken of in Isaiah. And Parson took it up as his hymn and he said in one of his verses, he says, I'm looking now across the river where my faith will end in sight. There's just a few more days to labour. Then I will take my heavenly flight. I see the lights. I hear the singing. A brand new song of joy divine. My soul rejoices just in knowing that soon these pleasures will be mine. Beulah land, I'm longing for you, and someday on thee I'll stand, where my home shall be eternal. Beulah land, sweet Beulah land. What a guide we have given to us by the Lord Jesus Christ. What a guide. He guides us in this world, but he also guides us to navigate all things to come. Not just the things to come in this world, but all things to come, including paradise, including the new heavens and the new earth. Won't you resolve to listen to your guide? Won't you resolve in your mind that I need to study the guidebook if I'm to get the most out of this world, the most out of the next world, and to do that task that I was designed to do, exalt the Lord Jesus Christ, to make much of him, and what he has done for me so many years ago at the cross and continues to do for me day by day. Let's come to God in prayer. Let's speak with him now. Holy Spirit, we come and we praise you as our guide. We thank you for speaking Christ's words and the Father's words to us and for telling us how to enter into Christ's country by repentance and faith and then guiding us through much of his country. We ask that you would forgive us for not listening to your guidance as we should. We ask that you would help us to read your guidebook more and more so that we can enjoy exalting Christ until we reach paradise. And Lord, we ask that if there is anyone here this morning who has not entered into Christ's country, that is not a part of Christ's people, not a part of his nation, oh Lord, we pray that they would cross the border now, that your Holy Spirit 
would be producing in them now repentance and faith so that they cross the border, enter into his country, and one day will enter into Beulah land. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.